You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is High Fidelity. So what does fidelity mean? Interesting when you tie high fidelity to fidelity. Fidelity means faithfulness to a person, cause, or belief demonstrated by continuing loyalty and support. Words like loyalty, allegiance, obedience, constancy can also mean sexual faithfulness to a spouse or partner. Faithfulness, loyalty, constancy can be dependability, reliability. And then in the definition, it can also be the degree of exactness with which something is copied or reproduced. So I'm gonna talk to you today about some high fidelity, some high faithfulness, and find out whether you've got any of this or not. If I said, are you a faithful, trustworthy person, just to yourself, do you think that's true? Then if I follow that up and say, do you think other people think that of you? Or is that just your opinion? When you say you're gonna do something, you do it. You follow through with it. Is that who you are? And if you're not, how do you become that? Spurgeon on faithfulness said, reliability, keeping good faith with others so that they know that your word is as good as your bond. Now, it gets into when you say something, that you're gonna do something, that's high fidelity. And this goes to saying things to God, things to yourself, commitments you make to yourself, and then to other people around you. And sometimes people don't make commitments because they're afraid they're going to break their commitments. So they say things to themselves, only God hears. But when you speak words, I was talking to a young woman today about this, that the power of words, I don't do weddings in places where the bride and groom have to sign anything on the day they get married. So I stand there and the only thing I witness, and then I sign that I witnessed what? These two people exchanged words. That's all you got. And those words have power, those words have meaning. And when you vow to do things, it's serious when you don't. And there's consequence to that. Deuteronomy 7, left to right, here we go. And let me kind of give you a disclaimer before we get too deep into this. If you think you're not a faithful person and you're going to work on that, you're never going to work on that. Because being things that God is and he has for us to be, you can't work on being those things. You have to let him be himself in you and through you. And first of all, he's got to be in you. And the only way he gets in you is for you to become a Christian. But once he moves in, then he can manifest himself in and through your life. And we'll get to scripture about that. But you're saying, oh, I got to try harder to be better and somehow work at these things and it'll happen. It's not going to happen. And part of the reason we all know that is when we have spent periods of time, years in some cases, trying to overcome something with our will, it doesn't happen. And we get in the hamster wheel and just get over and over and over until you submit and I submit my will to his will and his will is to reside in me and live not just in me, but through me. And that's how he changes me. And that's where the difference is made. So Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. That's how faithful he is. 
to a thousand generations. You know how many a thousand generations is? Multiply that by how much is a generation. That's a long time. And repays them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. So he's faithful to those who keep his covenant. Mercy to them that love him and keep his commandments. So just love him and keep his commandments. And what are you going to find out? He's faithful to you, to your kids, their 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 kids, to a thousand generations. Psalm 40. Now, I know if I go through this, you're going to go, oh, he left that verse out. I'm leaving a ton of verses out. I already know that. If you want to have an intermission and keep going, we can do that, and I'll hit yours too. Psalm 40, verse 10. The psalmist here says, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I've declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Are you going around hiding his righteousness? Or have you declared his faithfulness and his salvation to everybody you know? One of the simple ways to declare who he is is when you allow him not just to live in you, but to live through you. And then all the things that he is start to manifest in your life. And one of these we'll see in the list we'll get to in a minute is faithfulness. First Corinthians 10. Now, I'm about to drop something on you here. This is the first verse that someone suggested that I memorize. I don't remember it at the moment, but I did memorize it. No. It's a great verse. And the person that I don't even remember who told me to memorize it. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 is good stuff to know. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. And then look at this phrase. But God is faithful. Now, why is it important that God is faithful if there's no new temptations, but God is faithful who will what? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now you say, well, is God faithful? He's faithful, so what's the problem? The temptation comes, it's not that God's not faithful and that there's an out. I'm standing here in this theater speaking right now, and if we all look around, if you stood up and look around, I can see one, two, three, four, five, six exit signs. You know why those exit signs are there? So that if something goes terribly wrong, you find an exit and you get out of here. And by law, there have to be exit signs. Now, let me tell you something about God's faithfulness. There are always, always exits, always, or the universe will collapse because he's faithful. You say, well, you know, it was just overwhelming. The temptation, I just couldn't take it. No, you didn't look for the exit. You went down because that's what you chose to do. It's not that he's not faithful. We are not faithful. All right, Galatians chapter five. Now, you say, I am interested in faithfulness then. That's what I'm interested in. You cannot just be interested in faithfulness. You can't pick. You say, what do you mean? Well, I want to be like, I want more goodness. Let's read these verses. Verse 16, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So why wouldn't we walk in the spirit? Because it sounds like he's faithful. If we walk in the spirit, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So why would anybody not walk in the spirit? You end up not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Your life would go better. We don't walk in the spirit because we want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we pick until we get tired of our life. And if you go on and read the list here, of all this stuff, is that who you really want to be the rest of your life? The only life you're going to get? The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law, so you're not required. 
Okay, so you say, okay, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to yield my whole life to God. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit not just to live in me as a Christian, but to take over, and then I want this stuff to manifest. Down in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This list, you say, well, I don't want all those things because I want to keep being angry. Now, I've done this before, and I've seen recently children doing this. They got a little blankie in one hand. Let's use this. Blankie in one hand like this and a thumb in the other like this. And you say, well, why are you, you know, stop sucking your thumb. Let me have your blankie. That's my blankie. You say, well, we put up with that with little kids. You're not a little kid anymore unless you're a little kid. And God goes, you got to lose the blankie. Your sin cannot be your comfort. He's got to be your comfort. You find the exit and you say, you know what? I'm all in slide all the chips in and you say what I really am after is not the fruit I'm after the spirit I'm after him running my life so you chase after God you chase after the spirit of God you yield yourself to him and then a byproduct of that is that all this fruit starts to appear on the tree of your life and people go wow that's impressive and what do you have to say they see your good works but do what they glorify your father in heaven so you can't take credit because they know you can't do it anyway. So you're not very loving, now all of a sudden you love. You got no joy, you got joy. You're all wound up all the time, now you got peace. One of my girls, business trip, got up at 4.30 in the morning, go catch a flight, gets there, standing at the gate, and lady looked at her, she said, you didn't call our section. She said, oh, we gave your seat away. We already gave your seat away. See, how could you give my seat away? You didn't call our section. And they're like 20 people that did the same thing to the plane left. So she texted me pretty wound up and it's early and now I'm wound up. And this is all I sent back to her, one of the little phrases. There's always a reason. So she figured that out, ended up having five hour delay, Ubered back to the house. And when she got in the Uber car, what do you think she said to the guy? This better be good. So what's going on with you? Cause this is what just happened to me. And I got a feeling God got me. I missed that flight to be in this car with you. So how can I pray for you? Turns out he said, well, my wife and I yesterday were talking about we haven't been to church in a long time. She says, well, where do you go to church? He said, well, we don't have a church. She said, well, you do now. Here's my information. What's yours? And now she's going to wear him out. <laughs> because it cost her a lot of trouble to be in that car with that man. Now you say, well, I don't want to be inconvenienced that way. Nobody asked you what you wanted to do. You're a slave. You're owned. You were bought with a price. Your life didn't belong to you, and that's why your life's so screwed up you think it does. It's my life. No, it's not. It's his life. And you go where he says to go when he says to go. Now, I'm telling you, I'm not running at 100% on this, but you think if you give him your life, you're going to lose it, and it's exactly the opposite. If you lose your life for his sake, that's when you find it. I could never do better for me or take better care of me than he's taking care of me. Never. Another commentator, Hansen, says faithfulness, listen, faithfulness is the quality of keeping commitments in relationships. The Galatians had proved to be fickle in their attitude toward Paul. Only the Spirit can produce the quality of loyalty no matter the cost. I am not going to ditch on God no matter the cost. Faithfulness. Philippians chapter 1, take notes. Philippians 1, 3, Paul writing to this church in Philippi, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time I remember you, I go, oh God, thank you for those people there. 
always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing. What is Paul positive about? That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. What did Paul know about them and about himself and about God? If he starts something, a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I got these people that I know they're Christians. Thought about one just yesterday. Like, he's a flake, but he's a believer. Well, he's not going to make it. He's going to make heaven, and he may make it down here, but he's going to have to make some choices. Now, is it possible for him to make it down here and for him to do what God wants him to do? It's possible. Why? Because God finishes what he starts, even with you, even with me. I love that the prodigal son was a son when he left the house. I love that. He didn't become a son when he came home. He left a son came home a son, tried to come home a servant, but came home a son. Philippians 4, some of you know these by heart, or by head maybe, if you knew it by heart, you'd live it. Philippians 4, 6, I've shared this little deal, be anxious for nothing. So don't be anxious for nothing. You have no reason to be anxious. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How can you, with everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, how can you do that? How can you ask for something and thank God for something before you even have it? Because it's as good as done when you know who you're dealing with. So I got certain people that I think to myself, I say, okay, if this needed to be done, could I literally hand them this and say, okay, when I hand it to them, it's as good as done. Dude, thank you, ma'am, thank you so much for taking care of this. After I've asked them and they've done nothing because they are so trustworthy, that is just part of their character, it's him and them, that I know it's as good as done so I can thank them in advance when they've done nothing. And then there are other people you hand stuff to and you know as sure as you're handing it to them, you're kind of going, thank you, but you know this may never happen. But they're my only option. What if they don't do it? Well, then I have to figure it out. Nothing worse than leaving your kids with an untrustworthy person, an unfaithful person. You shouldn't do that because the whole time you're gone, you're freaked out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is what? Faithful who also will do it. So if God calls you to live the Christian life, and if you're a Christian, he has, then Faithful is he who calls you who will also do it. So he's not just saying, okay, here's your ticket to heaven and now figure it out, try to act like me. He's saying, look, it's a package deal. You get me, you get all of this. Get out of the way and let me take over your life and I'll show you how to be a Christian because I'm Christ. Who knows better how to live the Christian life than Jesus? Oh, I can do better. I'm gonna try harder. You're not gonna make it because that's not what it's about. Second Thessalonians chapter three. So when you talk about high fidelity in the context of what I'm talking about, it's not about me trying to reproduce a sound, it's just letting the original make the sound, right? So I'm not trying to go, and I know everybody likes these little things that people wear, you know, WWJD, I don't believe in that. That's not biblical. 
This is not about what would Jesus do unless you're yielding to let Jesus do what he would do. Oh, Jesus was faithful. I'm going to go be faithful. You're not going to be faithful until you say, you know what? Without him, I can do nothing. So Holy Spirit, I'm after you. I want to be filled with you. I want to walk with you in such a way that all this fruit starts showing up in my life. So bring it because I can't do it. I've tried. And you say, well, why does it work that way? He will let you wear your little self out. Try and try and try and try. And you go, I can't do this. He says, okay, well, do you want to do it my way? And my way is me. Well, it can't be that easy. Why don't you give it a shot? 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Why can you hold fast to the confession of your hope? For he who promised is faithful. He is going to show up and deliver and keep it coming. Now here's where this falls apart. The more connected you are to him, the more you walk in the spirit, the more faithful you are. And so you start believing that he's faithful because all of a sudden you go, I'm not a faithful person. I don't have love by myself. I don't have joy. I don't have, I don't have any of this by myself. So it has to be him. And if it's him manifesting, then he has to be all these things or I couldn't be these things. So now you spend less time doubting if he is faithful because you see that he has made you faithful. And maybe I've shared this before, but it's been a little while back. And I, you know, I used to you know, say, oh, do I trust God? Do I trust God? Do I believe? Do I trust him? Do I trust him? And then one day it kind of got, I got this, you know, do I trust you? Do I trust you? And it's like I heard an echo, like God saying, do I trust you? And I never thought about whether God could trust me. So if I trust him, it makes it more plausible for him to trust me. Because when I trust him, I live the way he intended, and now I become what he is being in and through me. And all of a sudden, you just don't spend as much time doubting stuff. Because if he's faithful, what's there to doubt? Now, think of someone that you know that is full of faithfulness, that they are fidelity. They have it going on. And you know that for a fact. Everybody's got someone in mind. Raise your hand. A faithful person. Now, if you introduced that man or woman to someone else and they didn't know them, would they feel the same way about them as you do immediately? Maybe not. They might trust your trust in them and go off of that if they know you and they trust you, but they'd have no reason. But after you get to know that person yourself, then you go, oh, wow, I see what you mean. They really are a faithful person. Now I feel about them the way you feel about them. And that's what's supposed to happen eventually as a Christian, that you get to know God to the point where you go, I am not going to spend the rest of my life asking these same questions that I already have the answers to. Now, it doesn't mean that every once in a while you don't get hit with doubt or some question, but you don't spend all day, every day being anxious about stuff you shouldn't be anxious about. Because if he can't handle it, what are you going to do? And he can. He's faithful. He's omniscient. He's omni-everything. Pick an omni. He's it. Hebrews 11, 11. This is about Sarah. Promised she'd have a kid. Old lady. Childbearing. And everything had to get rebuilt. And this woman pulled this off. I mean, she's, all her equipment was done. 
Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, what kind of old people, 90-something-year-old people, yeah, you want to have a baby? I'm just saying, I'm not saying it can't happen, but a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. And you say, well, that's absurd. They're not going to have a baby unless they've considered what? She judged him faithful who had promised, but he promised. So we're going to try. We're going to do our part. Now listen, you may have a part. You got to do your part. So what's my part? In this context, my part is walking in the spirit. And then he does his part. Well, that seems too easy. I'm telling you guys, the devil's got everybody running in circles, making this so complicated because he's trying to wear us out and keep us from what God intended. When I was a little kid, and if you know anything about me, really, certain time of year, cherries get ripe, and I wait for them to hit $1.99 a pound, and I buy me about five or six pounds, and I'll either eat them straight, or I'll cut them in half, take the seed out, put them in a little yogurt, and I can eat me some cherries. And for some reason, I have this memory when I was a little bitty boy that my grandparents lived in a house, and there was a little chain-link fence, and the neighbor's yard was full of cherries, trees, cherries, and a certain time of year, the branches, it looked like they're just going to collapse. And we were trying hard not to steal cherries. It just didn't always work out. Um, (laughs) When there's fruit on a tree, you want at it. No fruit, you can keep your tree. That fruit made me willing to climb over a fence and steal cherries. They look so appealing. So God offers you all this. You go, I'm not interested. You will be because you're going to wear your little self out. And then once you get tired of doing it yourself and let him doing it, then all of a sudden all that fruit starts weighing down the limbs of your life and people go, I got to get me some of that fruit. And they say, how do you do that? And you say, well, I can assure you, it's not me, a sweet man named Jesus, who is very faithful, took me anyway. And I was willing to tell him that I was a sinner and that I needed his forgiveness. And I understood that he died on a cross, was buried and raised from the dead to rescue me from a real hell and from a real hell of a life without him. And so I let him move in, and then somebody helped me see that if I let him move in and take over my life, that all this stuff would appear that I could never be or have without him. And so whatever you see that you think you want, it's all him. And then they say, well, I'd like to get me some of that. And you say, you can. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're a Christian and you say, Lord, is there sin in my life? And the Holy Spirit says, yes, this, then what do you do? We confess our sins and he is faithful. Faithful to do what? To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us. And then what happens? No sin. You've confessed your sins. The spirit is free to live in you and through you and manifest until you screw up again. And then what do you do? You confess your sin. He's faithful and just. You say, well, that's going to be a nightmare doing that over and over. Yeah, isn't it? Or you just stop confessing and do what? Live with unforgiveness and feeling dirty when you don't have to. Well, why would anybody do that? Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. 
You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. One of my favorite things in the world is a hot shower and a fresh bar of soap where you can see the name of the soap in the soap. Pop that bar of soap, peel that wrapper off and it just sits there, right? For me, it's simple things. There's something about getting clean, something crazy cool about getting clean. And he's in the cleaning business. And if you let him make you clean, then you can breathe again and say, okay, let's do this, Lord. And then the ups and downs, not so high highs, not so low lows, it kind of smooths out. And next thing you know, you're just walking with Jesus. And the world sees him and they want him. Let me just read you something out of Matthew 25, 21. It's out of the parable of the talents. And two guys did the right things. And this is what they heard. His Lord said to him, well done. Now look at who's saying it. Jesus is saying it to the servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Everybody says, well, I'm going to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Are you? Not all three of them did. You know who hears faithful? The faithful. And you know how you become faithful? You walk in the Spirit and let Him live in and through And then you know what high fidelity really is. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.